Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure a podcast all about kids and how educating them positively can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week, we're having conversations with guests on different themes, and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view, and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today, we're welcoming Jane Holland, who is a nutritionist. Nutrition is such a huge part of our health and I love Jane's view on nutrition because it's not about being drastic, it's about balance and there's a time for everything. So I hope you will like it as well. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. But without further ado, let's begin. Cette chanson. Maman, papa, maman, papa. Hi Jane. Hi there, Julie. How are you today? Really well, thank you. Yeah, very good. Perfect. Looking forward to talking with you. Yes. About this very Me important too. subject. It is. I'm very excited to be talking about this subject. And yes, let's get started. Okay. So would you mind introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a nutritional therapist and I trained in London as a functional medicine application of nutrition. And that basically means a much more of a holistic view. So function, as we know, so classically anatomy and physiology is structure and function. And so function meaning to optimize how the body works. And so we use nutrition, food, essentially, supplements sometimes to support health and function. And I practice in Leicestershire and have a particular interest in digestive health, actually. Very nice. And so what made you want to follow this path? Okay, I qualified later in life. I'd been involved in the food industry for my earlier career, but I grew up on a family farm and so I did food marketing and so I understand how food is grown and what conditions it needs and having wanted to study nutrition whilst 
being in the corporate world I was able to come back to it a little later and also during that time I did have periods of being unwell and so this brought me full circle back to to make sense of what's grown in the ground how important eating fresh food really is because it's it's living and and that energy is what nourishes us essentially right and so you treat all kind of different people including kids yeah do you think it's best to start early with nutrition it is absolutely better to start early so the majority of of my clients have sort of particular relationship with food which begins in childhood and it's not just about what they eat it's how they eat where they eat and some misconceptions are deep rooted in in the ratio of of the foods that they eat and so often they come to us as practitioners later in life with health conditions and then the functional approach is to sort of try to undo some of those habits with justification as to you know in particular looking at nutrient deficiencies looking at rebalancing fat profiles so it is it is really 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 crucial in in our view that that children understand the importance of having a good diet by that i mean in in a well-balanced sense and also how food is eaten and where and when and i think sadly a lot of the focus has gone away from all of those things as well after all that's how the digestive system originally works the digestive process starts in our brain when we look at food and we smell food so the lovely colors and that's when the digestive process starts so if we're rushing around or we're eating on the go classically we overlook that step in digestion and if we continue to do that for our life and adult life those habits can be quite tricky to break and actually are uh, and underpin some you know really quite um, nasty health conditions and it's those simple steps actually that if we really educate our children early on and by educate I, I mean as part of our daily lives to encourage children to sit still and eat <laughs> <laughs> yes so it's easier basically to build a habit for a kid than changing an entire life of food choices Oh, absolutely, Julie. I think so much of the vast health conditions globally, you know, at least would be reduced significantly if we encouraged a sense of responsibility for ourselves. And that really does start with those simple practices. You know, we encourage our children to brush up their teeth and teach them to ride bikes and obviously to read. But because we take eating three meals a day, hopefully three meals a day for granted, and that in some households it may get in the way of other activities that they want to do, we really are bypassing some fundamental physiological need to be nourished. So we have energy so that we can then carry on to do our other activities. And, and it really does underpin health in later life. Right. So parents come to you because they feel that they could do better basically and they're seeking advice what is your approach is there any you know misconceptions that you have to sort of break uh, i think i think the the biggest misconception actually is historically the role of 
low fat and high sugar and when I say diet I don't mean as in to lose weight but diet meaning how we eat that is quite a significant misconception and if that's applied to children it really does go far in affecting brain development essentially and also from an inflammatory point of view so by that I mean often sugars are hidden so children dearly should not be taking more than six teaspoons of sugar a day and as a family we so I don't restrict my family to the extent that they want to have particular Mm -hmm. food so just for example how hidden sugars a little piece of fruitcake that we bought and I do it out of interest again to share with my children so a little boring for some but this would be key going back to that misconception is to flip if you're buying ready-made foods to flip them over and have a quick look at the label and this particular item had the equivalent of nine, nine teaspoons of sugar in per slide. Oh, my God. Um, and that was added sugar. So that was over and above the fruit sugar that was in the piece of fruitcake. Um, I think flapjack is another hidden sugar, which obviously people believe to be a very healthy food, which is great if you're highly active. But again, out of balance we we begin to throw our sugar metabolism off the scale and a lot of foods which are low fat have added sugar to give flavor and that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions where childhood obesity now is growing the rates of type 2 diabetes and what we consider metabolic syndrome is escalating at an exponential rate and this really is glucose mismanagement and I think a lot of it's down to hidden sugars in processed food if the essential fatty acids are present in the diet meaning fish oils nuts and seeds and so avocados for example but in particular fish and even meat fats and some dairy fats are present they also convert to energy so they're much more nourishing and if they're taken alongside sugars that reduces the sort of sugar spike that we classically see which relates to energy highs and lows so again if children are prone to being tired or moody or being slightly bad tempered it may well be that it could be those sugar spikes that are driving that as well Hmm. very interesting yes and also even beverages right Oh my, <laughs> absolutely. The fizzy drink, so and your average can of fizzy drink has eight teaspoons of sugar in it. And actually, even those which claim to be zero sugar, there has been some research to suggest that even the sweeteners, the spartamine in particular, is actually having um, an impact on insulin levels. So classically, you would swap out sugar-free products because you're trying to avoid the insulin spike but as I say there is evidence now that that those sweeteners are having an impact on on insulin and they also sort of allow us to think that this exceptionally sweet is is a good taste to have and obviously like your green vegetables for example that children are far less likely to want to entertain a bitter food versus something that is really phenomenally sweet in fact literally artificially sweet it's even worse in the end than regular sugar 
absolutely and the the science is beginning to catch up with that absolutely so our lovely trusty green vegetables are really key in providing lots of lovely calcium lots of vitamins minerals in particular and they go a long way to supporting our liver process and also obviously giving lots of fiber which very very sadly as a nation and these are adult statistics but we're taking just marginally half of the daily recommended levels of fiber in our diets so if Mm. adults are doing that then it's very very likely that children are taking even less fiber in their diet and again that contributes to bowel health energy but again in particular to the rising levels of obesity and type 2 diabetes in children it also without the levels of fiber in the body we don't feel so full so we're more likely to graze throughout the day and keep needing or believing that we need nourishment ongoing rather than being able to sustain a meal for a longer period of time and actually that that really is hugely key to our metabolic conditions at the moment in that we tend to graze so we're not having three reasonable meals you know we we haven't quite got into the where we are using the fuel that we've taken on board for a certain period of time that allows physiology to work through and then we're taking on more sugar another spike to get us through and sadly it's that that's contributing to some of our chronic health conditions cardiovascular as well sadly Mm, i see it's a lot of things to consider (laughs) and so what would you advise to parents who they're willing to start the change but what's the first step okay i have to say that i well and as a parent of two young children it is really easy to sit back and say oh my child won't eat this and my child won't do this and you know they've never liked this and it's really easy to begin to make a bit of an issue of it and also maybe to even unwittingly shame the child into not liking the types of food that you might be trying to encourage them to eat and i would absolutely encourage parents to try and relax with the process and to make sure that as parents rather than trying to put particular foods into their children that they eat together Mm -hmm. and whatever food the parent is eating to really sit and to be enjoying it and to model good digestive habits actually and um, by that i mean gradually introducing different types of food so primarily the starter is to make sure that your family are getting the right balance of all of the food groups so that is really key meaning your carbohydrates your proteins your fats and obviously all of your fibers so professionally i don't endorse a vegan diet for children unless it is being extremely carefully carried out and that it would need to be supplemented for the well for the long-term health and well-being of the child so yeah my go-to would be to make sure that all the food groups are going in and in a nice balance and that over time as a family you experiment bring your children into the kitchen have them choose things in the supermarket that you may or may not have used before and bring them into the kitchen and ask them to chop them and smell them and taste them in their raw state 
as it were, even prior to being cooked, because that's about experimenting. And as we know, some things taste different when they are raw to when they're being cooked. And to make it a bit more fun, it's very easy as a parent to put our own sort of prejudice on food. Mm. So, and I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> so even professionally, when you're dealing with children, I think to be relaxed and to make lighthearted is key. If you are worried about your child, the relationship, if you are trying to encourage them to eat different things, bring other family members in, bring other friends in to, and when they are for dinner at the friend's house, have different food or the practice of nutritional therapy is global and so we're always there to help with games and fun or suggestions if that helps whilst keeping it light-hearted right so it's more of a family change everyone has to participate so that it works better and yes so we touched on a little bit about trends so i wanted to ask when you make a change how drastic can you be and what is important to keep in mind okay that's a really really great question and and classically change is tricky for all actually i i believe it takes 36 weeks to fully embrace a change of any type mm. so the saying of a five percent change at a time is really really key and as adults we leap onto fads and we want to change things tomorrow and you know we maybe grip too tightly to things that we worry about and that would be the reason if we're worrying that our child is either missing out on a food group or is taking too much of another food group so um to answer that question i would say wholeheartedly very gently and only in very small steps i think it's very much an adult approach to you know the cold we joke about cold turkey and that we can sustain quite abrupt change whilst children are extremely resilient i would only advocate those types of changes if there are allergies or other concerns underlying as to why that food group may need to be removed but classically i think it is very gently and actually supplementing certain changing foods. So for example, if you were to think that adding more fiber into the child's diet would help with their toileting, for example, and then their digestive health by adding vegetables into and, and blending them into food that they're already consuming is, is quite a good way to hide things. Cauliflower in particular is really quite easy to hide um, <laughs> and mushes down beautifully. Uh, if you are looking to reduce the amount of added sugar that is going in throughout the day, use those times where a sugar snack would be given and add protein instead. And so protein doesn't always get the same spike. So, for example, and obviously in line with rates of allergies, if there's any peanut sensitivity, obviously I couldn't endorse that. But peanut butter with a little bit of jam can be really good, even on a piece of toast or crackers or start to swap in pieces of cheese instead and start to get away from sugary snacks and to keep protein levels slightly higher will mean that the child and and within the family are feeling a little bit more full throughout the day rather than classically feeling sluggish and then needing a, 
a, a sweet fix. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So there's sort of two areas. Again, if, it, if it's a fat, it needs to be altered. Um, for example, if you're using canned soups, for example, so if the child comes home from school hungry, obviously homemade is wonderful absolutely wonderful full of lovely vegetables but not everyone has the time and it's really easy to feel pressure to be nourishing our children properly and to be cooking everything homemade whilst that in an ideal world is perfect for everyone um, it's not always a priority and so swapping in that snack after school for a soup a vegetable soup would be a much much better idea um, to fill your child up before their supper later on if that's you know it's about finding more filling foods and actually by adding the essential fatty acids again will also reduce the likelihood that the child will be hungry very quickly afterwards so a little drizzle of olive oil over soup for example or with crackers and butter would just be more nourishing and more filling so gentle steps gentle steps and again it's so much easier to begin to change a habit with a little bit of support. So speak to the children's friends, parents, and if there are other children's houses, that can also, because depending on the age of the children, obviously peer pressure counts for a huge amount. I remember trying to encourage my daughter to eat some sunflower seeds and she wasn't having any of it at all. And they were mixed in with some raisins and I think there were some pumpkin seeds and some cashew nuts in and my niece dug into this mix really quickly my niece was five years older than my daughter and she dug in because she'd been used to taking these you know nibbles she has on top of her cereal and of course my daughter just followed her big cousin um, and in the seeds went so those sorts of things can really take the pressure off adults or parents sometimes it will work and sometimes it might not and I think if you can sort of maintain a little bit of distance rather than allowing it to make you upset I think children pick up on on that too so again going back to the really early on when we were talking about um, modeling behavior I really do think that if we really want to make change in our dietary habits at home for our children we really have to look at ourselves first rather than trying to change for the sake of the child I think in order to be able to really adopt those habits, and I mean really adopt them and make them part of a lifestyle, it's really key to look at ourselves and be realistic about how we choose to eat because it's all a choice. And as a parent, we are entirely in charge of those choices. And if we think we're rushing to after school club or we've rushed breakfast and they're the areas that we can change which then may make the actual eating slightly more pleasant for example so it it isn't i think the real take-home message is that it doesn't need to just be about food always in our modern society it saddens me greatly seeing children eating running on the move and whilst they do that easily again what we're we're creating habits for later in life and that's where the digestive issues really begin because we've taken on these habits from childhood. Right. Yes. 
And also you don't want to fall into the other end of the spectrum, right? Because obviously it's good to want to be healthy and to make changes, but you don't want to be too drastic. And as we know now with fat phobia and the diet culture, how, how can you make sure that you, you stay reasonable and you don't push it too hard for yourself or for your kids? Oh, Julie, that is a, a phenomenal question. Absolutely. Because of social media, there are a lot of faddy approaches to eating. There is a lot of businesses making a huge amount of money to convince us to eat in certain ways. Essentially, we are all made differently. And it's easy to assume that because there may be a, a health condition in ourselves or in our grandparents, we assume our children are, or even for ourselves, are going to inherit these types of conditions. But that's not, that's absolutely not always the case. So by following either extreme diets that we might find suitable for ourselves and inflicting those on the children may not always be the best thing absolutely for the child's long term. The, the fat phobia culture, I, I believe, is being challenged in a lot of ways with the you know, body image online. But again, when we touched earlier on on the sort of misconception about the fats that we should be taking on on board sadly that um that is rather a sticking point and in, in particular women are more apprehensive about taking on levels of fat and eat it well they are called essential fatty acids because they are essential for us to consume the body doesn't make them or convert them and we're taking you know we it's very confusing between our levels of saturated fat and it's great that there's a movement towards the coconut oils and olive oils as we know with the mediterranean diet so i am i i get quite excited about this subject so forgive me if i go slightly off track to answer the question this is perfect um, <laughs> <laughs> um so again it's gentle steps with your child because again and it goes back to this perception as adults that if we feel that we're overweight or that we have bad skin or that we have digestive problems we assume that the child may take that on and that it's very easy subconsciously for the child to pick up on that it goes back to enjoying food i think it's a very european sense you know we we love the principles that the french and the spanish the europeans have to enjoy food over a long period of time and we're very envious of that lovely tradition or lifestyle and again it's a choice i think it's very worrying again which is probably a lot to do with the food companies food manufacturers food marketing that are pushing the wrong messages and so we again as as parents we have to be very clear that all of those micronutrients and macronutrients should be going very in very gently in in balance and, and that means to consume fat, to have oils in the diet and to keep foods, all of the food groups present in the diet. And when I'm, you know, the, the, the uh, five a day, the seven a day, I think there's a lot of pressure to be blending a lot of vegetables. <laughs> um, and I think certainly for children and even for ourselves, looking at how you eat over the course of a week really is probably a much easier step to making the changes that you would like to get rather than thinking I've had so many calories today or I've 
I haven't eaten any fish today or I've, I've only had three pieces of fruit today. It's really to look over the course of the week and to really make sure that the carbs are in. So your potatoes, your rice, your starchy food, starchy vegetables, carrots, sweet potato, parsnips, etc. So the rainbow and then your proteins, so your meat and fish and nuts and seeds, lentils and peas and beans and your oils, of course. And to make sure that they're going in, in, in reasonable volumes over the course of a whole week is much easier. And again, classically, we're, we fill our children with a lot of sugar. Um, fruit sugar, actually, was what I, I meant. So of the seven a day, really, you know, for children, two pieces of fruit is more than adequate. And we are giving adult-sized pieces of fruit classically to children. And modern farming means that the apple is, frankly, enormous now. Uh, so again, do look at sizes, portion sizes for your children of fruit and vegetables. And it's very easy, you know, if children love grapes to waffle down a whole punnet of grapes. Well, again, it's a phenomenal level of fructose. Whilst you think you're doing the right thing and that you're being healthy, that's highly likely that it will be really out of balance for a small digestive system. So a child's portion as if you cup your, your hands together and, and the same for us. So if you cup your hands together and create a little bowl in your hands, that's really a, a portion size. So, you know, a bunch of grapes would happily fit in there and you certainly wouldn't want to put that into a child in one, in one go. Although we may think we're being healthy with it. Makes sense, yes. <laughs> I hope I answered your question there, Julia. I did. Yes, of course. <laughs> and so I was wondering... What would you say to the parents who are trying to make a change, but then, you know, obviously it's a new organization, they might fear it will take so long. Would you say, for example, a menu for the week or frozen food, or I don't know, what would be some easy habits to implement? Great question. Obviously, it's so easy for me to sit here and chatter without giving practical tips, um, workable tips. Planning a menu is is really fascinating and plan it with your children. If children have school lunches, again, plan it around. So if, if you know what's on the menu for school or if they're having packed lunches, it's quite easy then to take a view as to how much protein how much is it all sandwiches is it all potatoes is it all rice what's you know what's happening over the course of the week then you can change those and then it's quite easy again to just add a different vegetable so if you are classically a bolognese on tuesday you can begin to add more lentils so if you're classically meat-eating family and bolognese is your go-to and you you can just um, begin to add maybe some lentils when you cook it bits of courgette or carrots and celery and just chop very small and and add those to those sorts of dishes so by starting with a menu is great And also, I really do advocate using up leftovers. So, you know, and the cost of food needn't, it needn't be expensive to, to feed your family. There are some wonderful cuts of meat that do take a little bit more cooking, so slow cooking, that can be used in dishes the next day. Levels of fiber for all of us, actually, it's called resistant starch, is much higher in things like cold 
potatoes and cold pasta, which is reheated the next day. So again, even for your family lunches, not just for children, but to cook pasta, thinking that you might have a portion of it for lunch later in the week and to reheat it with some of the sauce, whether it be a bolognese or you some vegetables left, left over from a meal the night before, can be beautifully heated uh, with a little bit of olive oil and some extra herbs or spices if your children tolerate, and to make a really delicious lunch that you can add other things to. So planning ahead is really key, actually, so that you, you have a range of versatility, which, again, is probably easy for me to say because I love to cook and I love to experiment. And I, that comes the more you explore. So in families, by actually taking the time to plan a menu and think what you all like to eat and maybe even think what you'd like to eat out and then rep bring that home and replicate it. So, for example, a friend of mine really loves coronation chicken. And when they buy it out in either a sandwich or a jacket potato, we know and they know that it's absolutely full of mayonnaise where I encourage them to make it at home and they use half yogurt and half mayonnaise. So it's about finding the foods that you really love to eat and then modifying them to be more healthy, I think is a very easy gentle step rather than you know as we said at the beginning the temptation to be cold turkey and to do all or nothing and go right okay we're changing the diet from now that approach is researched to be much less successful and is m much more likely to revert mm -hmm. to old habits over over time it has to be sustainable right and i guess now also with the internet obviously you can just google so many recipes that you like and try to find a, a healthier version of it yes absolutely and just making rather than changing the the whole dish essentially so if it is looking to add more fiber for example if you're looking to add more vegetables generally it's about the goal for your own family so when you take that view and say well what could our family be missing or what are our family getting too much of and if you look at it over the course of the week then that's the easiest way to scale certain things back whether it be you know as you say okay we've had bread every day this week well what can we do differently now and to make the changes so that it's not a vast change and children will will adapt to that much easier and actually so will the kitchen department so whoever cooks in your family it's much easier to add in one or two different ingredients than changing a whole menu uh, overnight you know <laughs> right so in the beginning it can be as simple as adding a handful of spinach in your pasta dish for example oh wow absolutely yeah absolutely i and you touched on frozen vegetables and I think I mean they're a staple in my house there's chopped kale which is frozen butternut squash um, broccoli peas there is such an abundance of frozen vegetables and they actually cook down so if you are a fan of eating fresh vegetables they're not quite the same to eat by themselves I personally think but they are wonderful added to 
other dishes. So as you say, throwing in spinach, the chopped spinach, it's really easy. So again, if you, you know, you buy your jar of curry sauce or pasta sauce from the supermarket shelf, which has very little fiber in it, the children or even your family partner might not recognize if you add these extra frozen vegetables and they cook down and so the taste is still the same but it's the texture then that mm -hmm. is slightly different yes and also obviously the the nutrients that are added compared to just the the processed sauce absolutely you're enriching it which which is a gentle step towards maybe making the sauce from scratch yourself on another evening. You know, it's just, it's the steps. If you're buying the bit of vegetable you're taking out of the freezer, then it's, it's about the little step. And maybe, again, for working families, just pick a day and start and if it if it sort of slightly goes off the rails the next day keep moving and try it again the day after and if the children don't really like at least they will have seen you eating it and it may well be that they try it the next time and really enjoy it <laughs> we know that children's tastes change from one minute to the next <laughs> very true <laughs> and so do you have any advice that you would like to share any last advice i should say <laughs> last advice is really it's about nourishment in my view and to think of what makes you feel nourished in your life so whether it's having the sunshine on your face whether it's being out in the fresh air on your bike or being pampered it's about feeling nourished And if I could encompass that on a plate for someone, that would be what I would want for you or for everybody that's listening is to think about what makes you feel nourished. And if that means taking the time to really nourish your children with food, meaning to sit and to sit and either talk about it, to share what it is, where it came from, what's in there, what does it smell like, what does it look like to take the time to enrich your family. And they're the real life lessons, I believe. Just as we encourage children to run around and to have fresh air, for them to sleep well. You know, nutrition is, is just one part of a real lifestyle medicine. And as adults and parents, that's our choice. So it's probably a little bit woo-woo as a statement to go and be nourished, but... No, it totally makes sense. <laughs> and the mindfulness I guess and also again it's easy to say but really be together at the table I know that I was you know sometimes I would be like well my friends you know they're eating in front of the tv this is not fair why do we have to be at the table but actually now I do cherish these moments shared with the family and enjoying a nice meal so it, it makes sense to me for sure Yeah, I grew up with that, with those principles too. And um, I, I really do think there are so many more lessons to be learned, not just those, those, that key message about where our digestive, uh, where our digestive enzymes, how our digest, digestive system actually starts. It's enjoyment. It really is about enjoyment and being present, actually. And that presence is and as you say the mindfulness is if you have children in the back of the car right now or whenever you're listening to this and you're off to a club or a friend's house and you've 
you know and we've all done it so many times to just throw something into the back of the car because you're going from one thing to the next I guess it's just about recognizing though what habits and how often that happens in your family you know <laughs> mm -hmm. and so once you know you have what it takes to avoid them yes absolutely and we're more likely to be aware of those things for ourselves as well i know many many parents that will skip meals because they're too busy providing for the children and i believe that that is not the right way i think it's about sitting with we want our children to sit and enjoy food especially if we've taken time to prepare it then we have to lead by example and nourish ourselves and be nourished by our children sit, sitting and talking to them and as we said earlier on rather than think of it every day i think in our modern lifestyle it's probably easier to take a view over the course of a week and if you can get three or four nights or mornings where you're present and eating together i think that is a wonderful wonderful to aspire to to have mm -hmm. very interesting Thank you so much, Jane. It's been lovely to talk it's, to It's very inspiring. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode and in the meantime, have a lovely day. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.